So Steve, you and I, we finally had an opportunity to fly together. It had been a while. We went to Atlanta and then I went to New York City, but both times we talked a little bit about communication skills at both. And so it was fun to have you in the first one, but you, you pulled out a tool that I'd never used before with the app of the buzzer. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it was so much fun. That was fun. It was. Well, I, I, all of a sudden I wanted a buzzer for this exercise and I'm like, is there a buzzer anywhere? And they had like four of them in the office and all of them were dead, dead. batteries. They were dead. <laughs> I know. So you found this app and so, and it was just called buzzer. I think buzzer. it was just called it was just buzzer. Called, <laughs> and it was just a red button. So there's this one exercise. I just wanted to talk about it for a minute because it was so funny to me. But then also you weren't with me when I went to New York and I had this one just hysterical moment where I was observing this thing. So we have this one exercise. We talk about all different kinds of communication skills. But the one that was hysterical to me was when we were talking about connectors or fillers, which you and I both agree are so hard to mm -hmm. get rid of. The uhs, the ums, but the kind of the likes, you knows. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So where we used the app for the buzzer was this group in Atlanta. We put them in pairs and they just had to try to talk about something. And every time that they, they said a filler, they had right? What did, what did, what did, what did Christian say? Didn't he say that like, he, he never felt more humiliated in his whole life? <laughs> yeah. So great. Yeah. Cause I think they were in threes. And so you got buzzed by two people. You did. You're right. It was like, it was like two. It was so much fun. I had never used that buzzer app before. So it was a great add on. That was good. I did get nervous for a sec because when we said you're going to get buzzed every time you do a filler, some people started getting angry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, this is a fun exercise. They're like, well, they were they were not up for it. I, I think I'm enough of a people pleaser in those moments. I start to rethink everything. Well then never mind. We won't yeah. do it. Like, no, we're no, doing the they, buzzer. They they and they they needed it and had fun with it, yeah. even though it was a bit hard. However, when I flew to New York and I was working with communication skills, it was too big of a group. I noticed that not everyone had an apple, so I chose not to do it. But I wanted to just tell you that they had to just say, stop, things like okay. that. I put them in groups of two. And when we debriefed after the exercise, they had to talk about just a trip they had taken and try not to use a filler. Steve, we finished debriefing and there wasn't a single person who made it through any of them. And they could not believe how much of their life was filled with a filler. Yeah. I'm, I, it I was say, unreal. Like, Their biggest takeaway was, I want to work on this so yeah, much. Yeah. And I just wanted to talk about it because it was such an interesting aha. If you want to work on moment. it, get on a podcast, right. get on YouTube and watch yourself <laughs> over and over be, fail you're, and sound you're terrible. Like, I, haven't worked, I, I know. It's it funny is, to me how I will be in here and we'll record something and I'll feel like, wow, that was so great. And I said that so clear and concise. And then I listen back later. Oh, oh gosh, I I'm know. so slow. Yeah. I have so many kindas and likes and me too. What, what feels like an instant okay. for me of thinking feels like an eternity when you're right. watching it. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It, it, so you're not alone. It is a hard and it's not fair because I started training on the losing the fillers. I am 51 and I started at 27. Yeah. You so still they, haven't figured it out. Huh? <laughs> it was hysterical. Okay. I, but I also love that they were working so hard at it. So my shout out today, this is so fun. We had a message come through from 
the husband of someone who started coaching with us. Husband, okay. And so uh, the husband, Billy, sent a message with a, a screenshot where he kind of like, he blurred out the other texts from his wife and he, and he left the part that said, uh, my wife after one session with Greenhouse, worth every penny. <laughs> like all caps from his oh. wife, worth, period, every, period, penny. And I Wow, loved... when that comes from the partner, that's really significant. No, no, it was the wife I... said it, texted it to the husband. The right. husband sent the... It sent it to us. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was oh, cool because... So great. She didn't tell us that, but he was like... I yeah. got to share. Yeah. It was great. Um, do you have... Uh... I do, I do. Okay. Actually, personality... I think it's come to my attention that I have mentioned way too many times my very favorite assessment. And I just wanted to give our listeners an opportunity to know what it was and to take it if they were interested. So if you've heard me say way too many times, you know, there's this personality assessment out there called Insights Discovery, and I'm not going to go into it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I just want it. There'll be a link. We always do that because we're bored of ourselves. (laughs) Like We we hear ourselves say the same thing over and over, but then... Yeah, I'll get that too. Sometimes a friend who listens to the podcast like, they're like, "Could you tell me more? Could you please? tell me more, please?" Yeah. So it it costs one hundred and ten dollars to take. It is like a twenty seven page report. Every group, I just did it with this group out in New York, this tech group. Interesting that they said it was their very favorite they've ever taken. It always happens because the dynamic of it is that it's not just about your self-awareness. The The takeaway is that it's four colors. You'll find out your top two. And it's really mostly about your communication style. And let me say, because people sure. will say like DISC or um, what are all the... Mm, Personalysis is one I use. They all have the same colors, but this one, the colors mean something a little different. Yeah, they do. So just because you did DISC doesn't mean right. you already know your colors it's, for this one. And it's very memorable. And it really shows you how you show up but how you show up to others and how you need to shift a little bit of how you could show up better for either your team or for your clients. It's I agree so with good. you. It was interesting because you've always been mainly into Myers-Briggs. I am. And when you discovered this one, you it's instantly like, fell oh, in love. I did. And it's like, I haven't even heard you talk about Myers-Briggs Except for the extrovert, <laughs> introvert part. I but still I think love it's, that. My take has been, it's because it's actually, it is a really fun um, mm-hmm. assessment. Yeah. Whereas some of them can be really heavy or introspective or like, well, here's what I'm screwing up on again. Like, this is all my failures. I think there's something about insights discovery that's actually more fun. The other thing that stands out to me is that it's a reminder to us that we develop the way that we live our lives from every single story of our life. The street we lived on, the town we were in, the parents we had develop all of our perceptions. And then we assume that all of those perceptions is how everyone else sees the world. And this is such a reminder that, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. they they not only don't see, it's, it's vastly different. So because you see it so differently, yeah. how do I better adjust myself? This is to such you? a good point because when when you say we all have different ways we see the world, I think most people are like, yeah, I know. But they're thinking about big like yeah. politics, global like perspectives around culture and and race and but what happens in coaching is it's all the tiny stuff. Yeah. And that's what actually makes things either dysfunctional or really good mm-hmm. is these tiny little like the way that you and I experienced the last sentence you said can be very different 
because oh of those my perspectives. Goodness. Yeah. And then we think we're on the same page and we're not, yep. or, you know, misunderstand each other. Mm-hmm. And there's this team out in DC who I did it with and they have done it with their entire company. And when new hires come on now, it is part of their company culture. So they now feel like they have common language and I love it. They're like feeling a little red or I'm so sorry. I got to work on my yellow. It's like a cultural language thing now too. And I love that. Or like the great example for teams is what dictates, what, what constitutes success to you? Yeah. In your perspective, what's your perspective of this meeting was successful Oh my goodness. on the way out of a meeting? And yeah, it's all across the board. Each of those colors so vastly different. Feels so differently. So one color, you know, they're like, this was a great meeting because we all connected <laughs> socially, right. emotionally. Yeah. The other person who needs horrible. like a plan of action, they're like, this was a terrible <laughs> a meeting. Terrible we have meeting. no plans. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll have a link if anyone's interested in, in taking it. Of course, if you want to unpack it, I'm here for you. So today I'm interviewing Rashida Crichton and she has been a friend for a while. We've actually like crossed paths um, for a long while. We both went to University of Michigan, but not at the same time. We both worked at Capital One, but didn't really overlap. And so we feel like we've been friends for uh, decades, but we've actually only really been friends for a few years. But every time we talk, there's just so much, there's just so much to talk about. So I'm really excited for her to be on and We'll, um, we'll dig into some of the things that she works on. So she's the executive director of the Jackson Ward Collective Foundation here in Richmond, Virginia. And they do a whole bunch of cool things really to help um, the ecosystem of black entrepreneurs thrive and really help people like be successful in their businesses, whether that's the idea or getting started or growing something that they have or growing the whole community, the ecosystem. Um, but she's also on some boards. She, uh, does her own coaching and teaching on personal finance and budgeting. People love working with her on that. Um, and she has other things going on, like this thing called paddleboard ventures. I'll let her speak to the stuff she has going on. Um, but let's dive in cause we have a lot to talk about and we'll probably have her come back on again. So tell me how the Black Street Conference went because we haven't talked since it happened. I was gonna, I was hoping to be there, and I couldn't be there, but <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Um, this year was a conference of like we had these dreams of what it would look like, mm-hmm. and what it's what it became was nothing I expected and everything it needed to be. Uh huh. Um, and so like murphy's law was in effect like people couldn't fly in of course flights got canceled like <laughs> uh-huh. i mean all the things mm-hmm. i was like oh my god <laughs> wait how many times have you guys done it is this this the, is the second one the second this okay. is the second one um so we're gearing up for the third one now um but the topics were so good like the most popular one was a web three one that mm-hmm. we kind of just we were like oh we should do something techie yeah and they turned it into a lot around like AI and blockchain and chat GPT. Uh-huh. And Tina Bonner came and was one of the panelists. And she gave people like, this is exactly how you use chat GPT. This is exactly how oh, you script fun. it. Yeah. Um, if you can't yet afford to hire X type of role, like this is what you do. Uh-huh. And folks were like, oh, my God, <laughs> like mind blown. Yeah. Um, what was another generational wealth, like creating generational wealth? So we had Garnisha Ezadaro, who's the um, executive director. I always mess up her title, <laughs> but I think it's executive director of the Greenwood Initiative, okay. which is about creating generational wealth under Bloomberg Foundation. Okay. And then we had um, 
Sigmund Collins, who's an estate attorney locally, and we had them talking about like, we talk about using entrepreneurship as, as a way to create generational wealth, but practically speaking, what do you need to do? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, what do you need to put in place? Right. Um, so those were some popular ones. What was the other really, really popular one? Um, Lessons from the Trenches. Okay. So we have Rita Ricks, moderated, local entrepreneur, okay. been entrepreneur for like 30-something years. Uh-huh. Um, we brought in Panama Jackson. So he... Uh, he and another guy, Damon Young, had started a blog. This is how old this is, right? <laughs> a blog called Very Smart Brothers. Uh-huh. It got bought by the Griot. Okay. At, or the Root, one or the other. I think it was bought by the Root and then went to the Griot. Some kind of, anyway, sold it. Like mm-hmm. this was just a thing they were doing and they created this huge following. And he talked about like all the lessons he learned yeah. in that process. And then uh, Lauren Powers is out of Atlanta uh-huh. and she... Own, she is a serial entrepreneur. She's owned a gym. Um, and she talked about how she was terrible at owning a gym. Oh. <laughs> and like the numbers looked good, but yeah. they weren't really making any money uh-huh. and all of those things. And so people just appreciate the transparency. Yeah. Um, what so was your favorite? Did you have a favorite? I have a favorite moment. Okay. Because I never sit, I can't sit still mm-hmm. during the conference. And so I pop in and out of session. So I don't see a whole session. Yeah. Um, but my favorite moment was with our keynote, Angel Gregoria. So Angel is the founder of the Spice Suite out of DC. She creates these spice blends. Uh-huh. And then she just built out of using containers, this um, whole market called Black and Forth in DC. And she's on stage and it's the Q&A portion. And one of our panelists, um, who a lot of our speakers stayed, asked a question. And um, Gabby Goodwin is 16 years old. She is the founder of Gabby Bows. So she, you know those little bows that go on the ends of little kids' hair, little girls' hairs? Uh-huh. And um, they always fall off. Well, she has created these bows that are patented <laughs> that do not come off. Yeah. And I am a customer and I can attest to this. I've had them since my youngest was two. Uh-huh. We have the same set of bows that we purchased nice. when she was two. Yeah. And so Gabby was one of our speakers and um, she asked a question and she introduced herself and Angel goes, wait, Gabby, do you own Gabby bows? And she was <laughs> like, yeah. And she was like, I buy those in Target for my daughter. Yeah. And like, I teared up. Yeah. <laughs> it was just such a moment cool. of like this connection that you just, you don't see all the time and yeah. you don't feel all the time. But we've put all of the recordings, um, we did something different this year. Okay. Um, so we put them all on SoundCloud. So if you go to SoundCloud and look up JWC Foundation, all of the sessions are recorded on audio and okay. anybody can access them. Um, so we put them out there. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I'm going to check them out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, nice work. Thank you. It's like events. I'm always, I'm so bad at events. They are, they, they're <laughs> so intimidating to me. I'm yeah. always impressed with not just like pulling it off, but when it feels like people actually connected and We've have got such an amazing team. Yeah. We have such an amazing team. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Well, before we get too much further, cause yes. there's so much for us to talk about. Tell me, like we always talk about with our guests, what was your very first job? You're going to laugh when you find out. Okay. I have no idea. Okay. So my first job was when I was 12. Okay. 
It's called Rashida's Clerical Services. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> okay. Um, my father is now retired, but my father's a CPA. Okay. And I'm now dating myself completely because I've already told you I was 12 when this happened. Um, but there was no tax software. You typed tax returns on a typewriter. Uh-huh. And I had taken typing and I could type 80 something words a minute. And so my father has horrible handwriting and he would handwrite his client's tax returns and then he would hand them to his 12 year old daughter. Um, if anyone's a former client, I'm, as far as I know, no yeah. one's been audited as a result of this activity. Um, but um, I would type them on the typewriter and Damn. I would charge him $12 a tax yes. return. Yes, you had steady clientele. I had steady clientele <laughs> in the house. That's impressive. And then it expanded. Uh-huh. So my older brother... Um, Have was, you ever talked to him about his, like, how he experienced that when you started I it? I didn't. I should... I'm gonna, that would you be, know what? I'm going to call him later and ask him about that. It'd be fascinating to hear his take on it. Yeah. Because yeah. you, it was like your idea. It was. And so I was just typing. I used to make copies for him, too. So I would make copies because <laughs> mm-hmm. you had to have multiple copies of everything. So I would make copies. He had a copier in his office uh-huh. and I would make copies and I would type on the typewriter and then it was a word <laughs> processor. And then eventually he got software. Um, but my older brother was at VCU uh-huh. and I would type papers for him and his friends. So we had a computer in the house and I would type papers for him and his friends um, because everybody didn't have a yeah. computer yeah. at the time. You had the lab. And so they would write their papers and I would type up college students' <laughs> papers and charge them. Man, I would totally still pay a kid for that. Like I try to use voice to text <laughs> for stuff because I'm better at talking thoughts than writing. And it gets it wrong and I, I'm worried and I get it. And you're like, ah. Yeah. I would definitely pay a kid oh, yeah. to sit there and for transcript. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So that was really my first. Nice. It was so also you were my first entre- business. You were really entrepreneurial from the beginning and for I, real. But like I tell people all the time, I had no desire to like as an adult. Yeah. No desire to be an entrepreneur. I used to tell people all the time because I hate I call it um, entrepreneur. I guess you call it X now, but entrepreneurial uh, Twitter drives me up a wall. Oh, yeah. Because it's like everybody should be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, no, no, you need like (laughs) entrepreneurs need people that work for them. That actually wouldn't work work mathematically. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm always I was always like. I'll be the person that yeah. works for you. So I had no interest or desire. Do to you have go a name for path. that, by the way? I, I was just talking to someone who I've been doing a collaboration with them, and they're so clearly the person who can take the idea or vision, yeah, like run with it and bring it to life. And they're so good at that, but they could never like work for the man. Like they, yeah, they're not an employee type, but they're also not the person who starts something. They're like. I don't know. Because I read, you know, the book, is it EOS? They call it like an integrator. Yeah. Or like a COO type. Yeah. But I was like, there's got to be a better word for that person who they're not necessarily, they wouldn't call themselves entrepreneur, but they, they're really good working with. Yeah. Starting a new thing. But they're not going to be the ones that. Yeah. But I don't we should come up with something. We should something. come up with something. We should tell you. Give us like a week. Yeah. I guarantee we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll come and up with something. And you can test it out at Black yeah. Street too. <laughs> like go. just start throwing it out there a lot. Next <laughs> thing you know, people are using the and word. And they're like, I never knew like, that was a word. Either people will be like, what's that? And be like, oh, that's cool. Or yeah. they'll be like, girl, no. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be totally mean girls. Like stop trying to make fetch happen. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. So, okay. This is fascinating though, because you then, every time we talk, I learn new things about you. There you go. Um, so you kind of started out entrepreneurial by nature, 
Then you went to totally non-entrepreneurial route. <laughs> so non-entrepreneurial. And now I have arced back to that. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've talked to someone in terms of their career path where it was that sequence. Yeah. Um, okay, so just give a little more of your story then to listeners because I do think people it's helpful for them to hear. Yeah. The non-linear, you know, zigzagging path. Yeah. Like you don't have to go in depth, but what was your, what was your path? So. I'm not going to go in depth, but I am going to start at the same point that Rashida's clerical services started because it's actually really important uh-huh. um, because I'm such a type A planner. 12 years old is the mark of I launched Rashida's clerical services. I decided I wanted to go to Spelman and I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And everything from that point forward was geared towards those goals. Um all the way, like I and went, went according to plan. And it went according to plan. I didn't apply to any other schools. Did I ever no, tell nervous. you this? No. <laughs> <laughs> I only applied to Spelman. And then I got That's... to Spelman my freshman year and I started looking at law schools. Like I loved college. Yeah. I had the best college experience, uh-huh. but I also was like, there's a plan. Were your parents nervous that you only applied to one? No. They, they they knew their child very yeah. well. Like, I would get mad. I had an uncle who was like, well, what if you don't get in? And I got so mad at mm-hmm. him. Like, how dare you even ask this question? How dare you doubt me like, like that? Like, this is foolishness. Yeah. Um, And so when I graduated from college, like, I went straight to Michigan. Yep. Went to law school. I I. I knew I did the things, and then I got to my second year of law school, and I was like, I don't want to be a schoolie while my guy helped <laughs> That's like, like Ashley. She went for architecture yeah. architecture first, and then she's like, what am I doing? <laughs> I was so tired. I was so burnt out, yeah. Steve. Like, it was yeah. so bad. Um, and that's when I found out that we had an externship program. And mm-hmm. so I, I took a semester and worked at the Children's Defense Fund in D.C. Mm. And the, my first day of work was September 10th, 2001. Um, and I worked two blocks from Union Station and four blocks from the Capitol. So, like, that changed everything. I got back to school and was like, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to save all mm, the kids. Yeah. Um, I was on a mergers and acquisitions track. Like, I was a total corporate lawyer. And I was like, no, 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 no. I took all these social justice classes mm-hmm. my last semester. Like, yeah. And that was the point where I no longer knew what I was going to be doing. Mm. And so from there, I came back to Richmond. I clerked um, on the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, decided to stay. I took the Georgia bar, but then decided to stay in Richmond. So I was licensed in Georgia and decided to stay here. Um, Did some work temporarily and then ended up at Capital One. But did you in all that period, like, did you ever feel kind of confused and lost or was it always like, all right, here's my next plan. Here's my next plan. It was always, this is my next plan. So it wasn't until... I took the job at Capital One and I wasn't in legal. I was in procurement, but doing contract negotiations. Uh-huh. So a Still lawyer. Those skills, yeah. Yeah. And I I kind of hit this like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Like the the plan has ended. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Huh. Life hasn't ended, but you the plan the is last ending. Stage of the plan. <laughs> and I was like, You need Rashida's clerical services to jump Rashida's in. Services. <laughs> like, where's the paper? I Where need the, the next part of the, of the deck. <laughs> I need the next pages. Um, and so that was like that was a major moment mm. for me of just being like, I, I don't know. Yeah. And what I decided to do was I settled into the I don't know. And so I had 15 year career at Capital One. I had, I don't know, four or five jobs over that 15 years, mm-hmm. right? You move every few years. Yeah. And 
none of them were things that I had planned to do. And I just learned to kind of go with gut instinct and go with the flow and be like, this fits right. This doesn't fit right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I flow, how I flowed ever since is like, okay, this makes sense. This is the next move. I hit a point in 2009. So I graduated law school in 02, passed the Georgia bar in 02, did the Virginia bar in 03. Yeah. Around 09, I was like, I'm taking continuing legal education classes because you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But like, I had taken PowerPoint for litigators. Really? Because I just didn't know yeah. what to take. Like, I was running yeah. out of stuff to take that was relevant to my day job. Uh-huh. And so that was just, I was like, oh, I'll take a PowerPoint class. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that was my, you need to go figure out if you're going to be a lawyer or not. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was hard. Because... Uh-huh. I mean, everybody's got egos, but lawyers got like egos. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole like, I spent these three years. Law school is expensive. If I don't continue practicing, like, what am I saying about myself? What will people think? Oh, I've coached a few lawyers where and have a couple of friends who all all of them had that narrative from like in school. There's also a narrative driven into you. Yeah. And so now you're like deviating from that or not that identity. It's hard. Yeah. And so I had to work through that because my thought process was I'll go inactive with the bar, right? If I go inactive, I don't have to take these dumb classes that I'm not actually getting any value Uh out of anymore. And I can still keep my bar license, right? Um, And so I was wrestling with that, but I had to work through the ego part. And then finally, I was like, you are not going to go back and practice. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. And then I was able to settle into that. And so I've gone inactive. And I will never, I'm not a, I'm, I'm definitely on a never say never because every time I've said it, it's backfired on me. <laughs> but I, I will not go back active in Georgia because I would have to catch up on all the CLEs since 2009. Uh, so that's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Virginia, yeah. but definitely not Georgia. Uh-huh. Um, but that's kind of been my path. I left in 2015. I left Capital One. I had no idea what I was going to do. I started it. I started an LLC <laughs> just randomly, yeah. um, but I really didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that my season at Capital One was over, mm-hmm. and I kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship for myself again. Mm-hmm. And then I had been working with a couple other people and kind of stumbled into what is now JWC Foundation. Um, but none of that was planned. Like none of it was planned. And even with my business how it has evolved over the past few years. It's been three years. Yeah. How it has evolved has been very organic. Yeah. Um, and no none of the things that I ever planned. Do you have you had any people say like, oh yeah, but I saw you I saw this coming for the you. Ha- people tell me that all the time. Yeah. I I get that a lot too. And I could see that for you. Yeah. I could also see people right now saying like, wow, you're it's a new Rashida. You're you're just going with the flow like this. Like <laughs> Like this is uh, feels like a different approach yeah. for you. Yeah, um, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I've had some people say it too. It was like, oh yeah, we saw this coming. I'm like, you did? How come you didn't tell me? It right. would have been nice to know. <laughs> but I feel like the people that are like, we saw that coming, are also like, we also knew that you wouldn't have listened to us if we had told you uh, when we saw it. Yeah. And I'm always like, I mean, you might know me a little bit, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you saying that I'm not going to listen to you. Exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Me too. Yeah. Um, I thought we should also chat about, we've kind of had this conversation going about like 
the post big corporate life. Oh my gosh. Both like detoxing yes. and re and deconstruction and reconstruction. Because <laughs> there's a reconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I liked about our last chat on it is it's not just, I mean, I don't know. There's so many topics right now of people kind of uh, detoxing or deconstructing, but it remains in that negative space. Yeah. I kind of like, I liked, I was energized by our conversation of the, what, what's the reconstructing part? And yeah. what's like, what are you trying to deconstruct toward? Yeah. I, I didn't look up yet if we can TM this. So corporate <laughs> deconstruction, <laughs> what's better that or corporate detox? I like corporate detox. It sounds a little better, doesn't it? Sounds it sounds like cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was your experience coming out? Cause I think we had similar, but different. Yeah. So I knew my role was ending. Um, and so I had a lot of time to kind of prep for it. Mm -hmm. And my older brother is executive coach. And he said, I can't coach you. I was like, I would never ask you to do that. <laughs> Cause I could see like, I would revert back to being the little kid. That's like, you're not the boss. Yep. Of me. Yeah. Um, it would be a scary thing to see yourself. So <laughs> yeah. annoying. Um, but he, he did give me this advice, which is, and I know we've talked about this before, take a week for every year that you're at a company. Mm. If you can, right. Mm -hmm. If you can afford to do that, if not take as long as you can. Mm -hmm. And I had purpose to take at least 15 weeks. And that 15 weeks was about doing nothing. That was about, and I was in, my job was eliminated. So I was in redeployment. And mm -hmm. so I, I had 90 days or 60 days, I don't know, some stretch of time yeah. before it was actually my last day. But the way that I had structured everything that kicked in in January of 2020. Uh -huh. And so I had written up all of the year in performance appraisals for my team in December. So I really had no Nothing work to, to do. do. And so I decided to start that 15 weeks in January. Yeah. And the only thing I committed to doing was walking my daughter to the bus stop and picking her up from school. That was it. I didn't want to commit to anything else. I mean, did that freak you out at first, though? A I little mean, bit nerve wracking. That still to me, I just got off of a week where I turned everything off. Yeah. And I think it was the first time I truly, truly did that. Yeah. Um, like not even picking up the phone kind of thing. And I actually really enjoyed it. But I think until now, that really scared. That idea was like, no way. Like you can just disconnect? What? Well, like, and I'm just going to question my whole identity because being busy is so much a part of my life. It's the thing. Yeah. It's the thing. And I'm yeah. scared of what's going to pop up in that. Well, and I have an inability to sit still. Like in a, I'll give you this. So I, every night I watch one episode of Suits. I've just started watching Suits. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I hate lawyer shows and I am obsessed with this show. Really? Yes. Okay. And so like, I love this show. I can see my friends in this show. Mm -hmm. Like I'm looking at them like that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. <laughs> and like, I just love it. And so, um, but I've never actually sat and physically looked at an entire episode. Okay. I'm always playing some mind game on my phone or yeah. doing something else. Uh -huh. Right. It's kind of part of my decompression. Yeah. Yeah. To the point that I now am like, put the phone over there <laughs> and see if you can just sit and watch uh -huh. this. Um, because there's this guilt of like, I should be productive. Yeah. I should be doing something. And that's kind of what comes with that that detox, yeah. right? That first step of let me just shut it down. I didn't realize how much of my day was filled with meetings, yeah. but filled all the time. And so I stopped using an alarm clock in at the end of 2019. I still don't use an alarm. 
Same here. It is the best thing in the world. It's amazing. And I naturally wake up at what other people would consider to be ungodly hours. Like <laughs> I naturally wake up between 5.30 and 5.45 at the latest. Yeah. I have an alarm with air quotes uh-huh. of my nightstand light auto. I, I'm a smart home person. Yeah, yeah. My nightstand light automatically comes, comes on. on at 6.15 as a backup. Yeah. But also that is more natural. Like the sun, this is one of... Here we go. There's so many things in the All corporate the detox. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, but one of the things I was realizing was the what is it called? Circadian rhythm, like the natural. Yes. So, for example, right now it started getting darker earlier. Winter is longer night, summer is shorter night. That's there's like there's reasons for some of that and there's exactly. things that matter about that, but then you know, the invention of the light bulb and that's gone. Exactly. I have realized with the, even though your light comes on and you're like, eh, maybe that's a, maybe that's a cheat. No, because actually the sun coming up slowly, gradually is a thing. Yeah. We're not meant to wake up like, eh, no, eh, no, like, like jolting. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. And I realized that was part of my stress in the, in my corporate life where I woke up to that feeling and then it, Set and you the just tone keep of going the day. Yeah. for the whole day versus yeah, like I can ease into ease my day. Into it. Yeah. And I wake my daughter up the same way. Mm-hmm. Her her lamp in her room eases up yeah. in the morning and she knows that that means it's time to get up and it eases down at night till it's off and she knows that it's bedtime. Oh now. yeah. See, I but I need to have you over and make my home more smart. So I'm still <laughs> manual. I go around at night. Every Dude. like hour I'm I'm dimming the lights down a little more and a little more. Everyone's looking at me like Steve, Let me you need this to get is, a light. this is your Philips Hue light bulbs. Mm. You I mean they're like the smart light bulbs but they last like four years or something crazy. Yeah. And it has a hub and it's just an app and you can just program it. Okay. I just recently heard about these. I love them. That's great because I, I have a friend who like rewired his whole house. And so I'm always thinking like that's the route you have to go. Just buy the light Because <laughs> there's ones out for outdoor too that mm-hmm. the bulbs turn themselves on and off. I use, I actually use the regular bulbs for my porch lights too. Oh, okay. And they come on and off at dusk and dawn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's... um. I think there were, for me, a lot of things in that realm of like health and wellness that came in the detox. Yeah. Where similar to you, because I took a break of, you know, pausing and not rushing into the next thing. Yeah. It allowed me to not rush back into the old habits. Yeah. And be, have time to not just shift habits, but uh, notice. And, and see how you feel with it. Yeah. Which is critical. And so I took that at the beginning of 2020. My last official day of work was March 9th, 2020. Everything shut down on March 12th for COVID. Mm -hmm. And so I had the luxury of having three months of clear brain space to myself, followed by everybody in isolation. So I'm home with a then Mm -hmm. five-year-old figuring out kind of how we navigate through that. But at a time that everyone else is also figuring out life and re-examining things. And so I got this extended period of like, how are things going? And even there's just been little things. Like even this year, I was looking at my calendar. I was trying to schedule a lunch with somebody Uh today. And I looked at my calendar and I was like, 
I got next Friday or I have after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I went, how did I get how back, did I get back here? here? Right. And so, and it's not so much, I realized though, it's not so much that my calendar is filled. Mm-hmm. It is that I protect certain blocks of time so ferociously that it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. These days are, are protected for these things. So it's not, I am back to back to back. Well, that was another realization I had because in that whole noticing, like noticing what life had been, noticing what I need or want to change, I noticed, yeah, of course, my days were always packed. The calendar was always packed. And what I did was if there was ever open space, I'd be like, sure, go ahead and have right. it. Because I was trying to be, I don't know, helpful people pleaser. I don't know what, but um, I've also gotten really um, strict about like keeping blocks open. And I find myself the old habit creeps back in, you know, where that thing in your head is like, oh, but I've got that space. I could just give it to you. We could schedule it then. And then the other voice is like, no, protect that time. And it was that detox time where I realized protecting that those blocks of time is is actually I don't know, super important Yeah. because I'll just, I'll fill them in so easily thinking, oh, there's open space. But yeah, then to your point, you're back to overwhelmed burnout land so fast. And it's like hard to get out of that. Well, and then you're, when you fill that time during the day, you don't have time to do the stuff, Mm -hmm. right? To execute and execution, I think at different stages looks different, right? There's a period of life early in my career where execution literally looks like doing and now execution looks more like directing and less doing. I don't want to do anymore. <laughs> yeah. I have no interest in doing. I'm completely interested in helping people figure out how they do. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to do. Yeah. Right? I I that's just not where I am anymore. Yeah. And and the things that I do need to do if you would they take me a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Like they're not taking me all day, mm-hmm. but I need the couple of hours to get them done. Yeah. Are there, uh, were there any other big like things that stand out in your kind of detoxing? Um, there are habits and I know you, you definitely appreciate this building decks Mm -hmm. and you know, how you get, there are things that I, and tools that I learned that were very helpful. And there are also things that can cause overkill. Mm. And being able to figure out which of those things I wanted to carry forward yeah. and which things I was like, please don't ever take that with you anywhere. Like just leave <laughs> yeah. it where it is. Yeah. Um, those were those were some key like ahas for uh, me. One of my favorite things still this day, and whatever, this is gonna piss some people off who aren't in a place <laughs> to do this right now, but like, oh, I don't I just don't have to spend all day trying to convince people yeah. that we should do a thing that we all know we should do. Yeah. We just go do it. Just go do it. Or or we don't like talk about talking about it. We just like go try it. Yeah. That to me, oh, that's like one of the most satisfying things yeah. of the shift. <laughs> I love it. Because then you're like, I can just go. And you learn so much faster than trying to like plan it to perfection. Exactly. I mean, there's still planning, but yeah. Um, I've never asked you, but you do a lot of um, teaching people, like educating, also coaching people, working a lot with black entrepreneurs to help them make their business successful around finance, like personal finance, budgeting and stuff. And I love, I've been trying, I've been playing with different names for you just in my head of like budgeting that doesn't suck. And like, (laughs) I, I think you have a way that's just really relaxed and personable and like realistic. Yeah. Whereas a lot of financial gurus, it's like the opposite of that. Was that tied at all to your 
the the corporate detoxing stuff was any any of the working on finance related to, to that? that it came right before that okay so i think it was all a natural progression i went through like this messy divorce and i wanted to get a better handle on my finances as i was going through that process mm-hmm. and so it came from my own experience of wanting to take control of my finances and look at things through a different lens yeah. and not look at them through a very traditional lens. Uh-huh. Um, and then, but had I not done those things, I couldn't have left, right? I wouldn't have been debt-free. I wouldn't have been in, and I don't think you have to be debt-free in order to make those changes, mm-hmm. but I definitely wouldn't have been in the mind space to be able to make tough decisions, yeah. but like life-changing decisions. Uh-huh. Um, So money stress takes away your free brain space, Mm -hmm. which takes away your creativity, Mm -hmm. which limits what you can see. And that keeps you kind of in a box instead of opening the box up and being able to just sort of flow. And that's like my core belief behind that. So it's the same principle of the detox, right? Like take away the stressors Mm -hmm. and open up the possibilities and then figure out what fits and what doesn't. That's really cool. Like, what's your approach? Can you give us a, do you have like a approach to budgeting that you? So I use a tool. I use YNAB. Um, It stands for you need a budget, but they go by YNAB now. (laughs) Um, Shocker. It's very, very, very confusing name. Um, (laughs) But uh, so one, I like the tool. But two, my thing is spend money on the things that you really care about. And don't spend money on the stuff you don't really care about. Ramit Sethi, um, who's an author I like to follow, likes to say, "Spend mercil- cut mercilessly on the things that don't matter and spend extravagantly on the things that do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's the same concept. Uh-huh. Um, but my other approach, especially with coaching, is there's no judgment. I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about how many cards you have or what you spend your money on because those are personal choices. Mm-hmm. And if those are things that the spending of the money doesn't stress you out and you're okay with, go for it. Let's just figure out how to make it work, mm-hmm. right? If you're spending the money and the fact that you spent the money on that thing is stressing you out, mm-hmm. that doesn't align with your core values. Yeah, And people should have money values that are, these are the things I really care about. I care about expense, experiences more than I care about things. So I'm going to spend money on experiences more than I'm going to spend money on things. Yeah. That's cool. I love the extravagance part too, because even the word budget almost assumes that it's like stingy. Yeah. And it but, doesn't have to be. Yeah. I was talking to my daughter about that the other day. Like, no, actually this allows you to take this amount of money and do whatever you like, be extravagant with it. Because exactly. you know, like you've taken care of the other buckets. Exactly. The basics are taken care of. Let's well, that's have cool. Fun. Yeah. I mean, I wish we could dive more into that. Maybe you, you come back on I later. I would love to come back. Okay. Yeah. Because we will definitely talk about um, and right now the offer is open if people want to get help in that space. Yep. I think you're a great coach for that. But me up. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Anytime. We, um, we were like really trying not to spend <laughs> another hour talking. Yep. You don't want to do what we do, which is we spend three or four hours <laughs> talking. <laughs> <laughs>